I'm Chris. And what do we do here at Record Night? Record Night is a movie podcast where we each bring a record, well, we pick a theme, each bring a record based on a theme, and sit around, talk about it, analyze it, and just hang out, two buds, talk about music. Perfect. Yeah, there we go. And if you want to reach out to us or follow us on social media, you can find us on Instagram at Record Night Pod, Facebook at Facebook.com slash Record Night, or you can just straight up email us if you want like a pen pal kind of thing at recordnightpod at gmail.com. Uh, we also do, this leads us into uh, our next little segment. If you want to be a featured artist, if mm-hmm. you're an artist, you have music, you want us to show it off, feel free to contact us on any of those platforms and we'll listen to it, put you on here. And yeah. So our feature this week is, uh, okay, so guys, I, I got to go ahead and say, I cannot allow to say their full name. Uh, they say we can't be held responsible for anything that could happen to you should you pronounce it correctly. So I'm just going to basically say they've been um, requested to be called VM10H Ensemble. I'll get their uh, band camp here in a second, but they are avant-garde ensemble. I guess I'll uh, Godspeed like Black Emperor, but more unsettling. Um, it's, a, it's a wild, far-out-there shit. <laughs> I'll say that. Um, they're transnational, so they're not from any place, uh, particular. Uh, they've been, can- I don't know that much about them, but I know I've been, uh, perusing their band camp, listening to the stuff they put out. Um, you can, uh, reach their stuff, uh, here at vmtanaachth.bandcamp.com. I'm not going to try to pronounce it because they said I shouldn't, but it's again, it's vmtanaachth.bandcamp.com. You can find, a all kinds of stuff there. Um, we're going to play a piece of theirs at the very end of the show. Uh, it's a 14-minute song called Vox Diablo. I'm sorry, Vox Diaboli de Clamorous. That's what I got. That's the real it. ones will listen to the whole yeah. thing. Yeah, so VMTH Ensemble. and uh, I'm sure a lot of you guys, if you like Drone or Godspeed, and any sort of, you'll find stuff to like about this for sure. It very much sounds like, based <laughs> on how you describe it, that it's gonna awaken some elder gods or something. Yeah. So, yeah. So, um, that's what we got going on. So, if you want to invite elder gods into your home, mm-hmm. check them out. Yeah, and try to pronounce your name to the end. <laughs> Go to their bank camp and try to pronounce your name because it's a, it's a mind trip. Uh, but yeah, man, how you doing? Doing pretty good. We're getting ready. You can see the background of the video here. Mm-hmm. Um, got a lot of boxes because we're packing up, getting ready to move to San Diego. Um. So yeah, we're all everything's all in boxes right now. We just got rid of like the last of our like relaxing furniture. Yeah. yeah. So I don't know where I'm gonna sit for the next five days. Yeah. Well, I mean, how how close to packed are you? Is almost everything done packed? Almost everything is packed. Um, that's gotta be all, a, that, all the important stuff. At least that's gotta be a little bit um relieving because like every time I moved, I've been packing to the very last minute. Oh, I'm sure that's how it'll be. We're gonna. <laughs> come across some secret closet that we forgot about be like, god damn it well I mean, it's exciting i know you're taking you're breaking up the the drive into two trips right like uh i think we're gonna do three three nice it's 24 hour drive we're gonna do a couple eight day drive or eight hour drives i know you're doing it in one vehicle now right yep mine officially crapped out on friday i know you like made i was i think you I made it here <laughs> on it just for just uh i think on thursday you made it here to just uh, drop by oh yeah it was it was driving great so like throughout most of the day friday mm-hmm. i was like you know what 
this can probably make it to San Diego. And then I was on the highway driving home, and all of a sudden I hear, like, a crunch. And then my car goes, and I'm like, oh, fuck, this feels like a flat tire. And I look, and all my tires are good. And I'm like, oh, no. It's, yeah, this is it's over for, for that. So, yeah, are, so are, have you scrapped it yet or anything like that? No, that's sometime this week. Uh, I mean, I, I had a truck that I don't know how it ran, but I got, like, a I think, like, 800 bucks for it. <laughs> oh, that's pretty good. Yeah, and they took care of it. They to- towed it in their way and everything. I've done that with an older car. I think I'll, I got like 250 for it, but mm. it was like the engine exploded on that one. So it's like all the important parts didn't work anymore. So they're like, uh, we'll pay you like scrap metal prices. Yeah, well, at least you got something for it. I mean, like, yeah, I, this one runs. It's just the steering stuff or something with the tires is like super fucked up. Apparently, I, I got it looked at by a mechanic ahead yeah. of time. They're like, it's going to be $2,000 to fix. And I was like, uh, yeah, I paid 1800 for it and I just replaced <laughs> the transmission like two years ago. I don't. I don't want to put that much money into this car anymore. Apparently, as an adult, you're supposed to not run your car into the ground. But uh, I don't see why not. <laughs> well, so far. It yeah. Saved me a lot of money. Yeah, for sure. Uh, our theme this week, though, we'll, we'll get to that. Our theme is um, is storytelling. Storytelling, yeah. yeah. This is an exciting one. It was one of the first, I think, um, themes we put into the hat over here. And uh, we finally got to it. And I'm very excited because... Uh, when we get into my pick, it is one of my favorite albums of all time. Ooh, mine's like in my. It might even be in like my top five. Mine's in my top twenty or thirty, maybe. So it sucks, is what you're saying. Yeah, it's awful. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, do you just want to get? But this yours? is also oh. yeah. So real quick, when mm-hmm. when I saw this theme go into the hat, yeah. Uh, this was one of those themes that I was actually really nervous about. Oh yeah. Because I mean, I have like a lot of concept albums, and right? Stuff, and we'll talk. We'll talk about the difference I, between those in a second. But yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I did end up picking, which I, what I would call a concept album, but mm-hmm. it does follow a story. I was just worried we were going to do a bunch of like, you know, stuff that's featured on like VH1 storytelling. <laughs> no, no. It's like, man, I don't want to listen to like adult contemporary folk music for <laughs> two hours. Um, but I'm I'm really happy with my choice on this one, and I'm. Really happy I get to force you to listen to it. Well, uh, um, well, it comes to storytelling concepts for people who are, I guess, not do it. Concept albums, they follow a theme, but not necessarily follow, follow a story. But uh, I think so. I think partly. Yeah. That's partly true. I I still lump in, like, story albums with a concept album because the right. concept could be a story. Right. But there are a lot of things where people, people they'll pick an album that has a theme. like, these are all about capitalism. These are all about this. But... yeah. But I, I wanted to shorten the, the, the scope a little bit when it comes to make sure, make sure there's a, at least a story being told throughout the whole thing. Not right. just, like, I mean, I could have done Arlo Guthrie's one where it's just one big, long song. And I, and I'm not, I didn't even think about that. But, but you know, I had a few I had a few records in mind when this uh, when I wrote down the, wrote down the um, hat, and I picked none of those. <laughs> like, I, I, uh, <laughs> I went through and I, I thought about it, and... So I, Amir, I texted you saying that it can be a concept record, but it has to tell a story. And you had already, yeah, I know, I got mine picked out. So Yeah, I uh, I wrote some down while we were talking about it, mm-hmm. like after we drew it during the last episode. Mm-hmm. And I've kind of been, like, there are some albums that I think maybe have a better story. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, they aren't, like, my favorite albums of all time. So sure. it's like my enjoyment of the album is now starting to... Uh, take over a little bit, but I mean, I love the story on this one. This one's probably like my th- 
second favorite <laughs> story album. Um, what were your other, the other choices? One is also, like uh, Ko Dots Hibardo, mm -hmm. really good. Yeah, super challenging listen, and it's also like almost two hours long. <laughs> okay. Uh, like really cool thing, but it's yeah. like I'm sure you would have texted me. I don't know, twenty minutes in, you would have been like, "You son of a bitch." How, how, you said how, how long again? It's a hundred minutes, like exactly. Mm. Yeah, that would have been hard for me. Not, not um, I mean, not that hard joined before, but. And then uh, the other one was a uh, a King Gizzard album, King mm. Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, called Murder of the Universe. Okay. <laughs> which a lot of people have said kind of like popularized its own genre called the post-audiobook. <laughs> They've done a couple of them, so it's like, it's got songs in there, but then it also has narration okay. in the songs. And it's it was in, in Australia, three. right? Yeah. So this is strong Australian narration? like yeah, yeah, a little bit. The person that they had do it has a has an accent of some sort. I think it's Australian. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's good. Okay. It's fine, but I mean, at I chose boom, drum roll, crack the sky by Mastodon. Oh shit. <laughs> um, because not only is it in my top 10 albums of all time, but also it has a really cool story. And by cool, I mean super fucking out there. Oh yeah. But, um, I, I just, I love describing it. I love telling the story that it's about. And then people are like, what? Huh? So, real quick before we actually um, talk about Crack This Guy, what's your, what's your history with Mastodon? Like, when did you get into him? It had to have been in high school. Mm -hmm. um, I had some friends who really liked him, but they played stuff off their, like, first EP demo. Yeah. It, it was, like, demo slash EP, like, stuff that had the original singer, had original, like, sound samples on it. Right. Um, they re-released those songs on something called Call of the Mastodon that takes out the movie samples and it has the new <laughs> singer on it. Um, but I remember listening to it and being like, this is fucking awful. Um, oh, yeah? Because I, I... I wasn't really into metal. Like, when I wanted to listen to metal, I guess I was into thrash metal. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, this doesn't sound like Megadeth. I don't like it. So th th that brings a question. Did you even give Remission a chance when it came out? I think Remission was the last one I ended up listening to. Okay. Um... At least of those early stuff, because yeah. I listened to Blood Mountain. That's kind of what got me into it. I listened to Blood Mountain, loved it. Listened to Leviathan, loved it. Went back to Remission, loved it. And then after I was like super into Mastodon, Crack the Sky came out. So oh, so is... Crack the Sky was an event for you? Yeah, it was the first album I pre-ordered. I pre-ordered the Deluxe Edition, which I meant to keep out to show you, but it's... I know I took some pictures for you. Yeah. It's a CD case. It's probably, like, this thick. <laughs> um, it's got two fold-outs on it that have all the album art. Each song is represented by, like, one of the, the pictures on there. Mm -hmm. um, and then in the middle, it's you kind of have the front album cover with a circle in the middle that's clear, and it almost, like, accordions out to be about two feet long. Nice. And you look through it, and it makes a 3D picture. So is it is the vinyl not near that cool? No, it's not a special edition or anything. Okay. So I've got both. I've got the vinyl, mm -hmm. and I've got the, the CD. The CD one I'm just not going to get rid of. Yeah, it's really weird. Um, a lot of, like, for example, the CDs, you know, like, were the primary way of listening to things for a long time. So when bands release, like, special editions or, or something like that, like, you study that case in, in your car. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, I remember I got... Bright Eyes Casadega, and it has a, it has a basically like a cover, and it has this, 
this uh, they call it spectral decoder, but it's really just a a, um, a plastic screen that decodes like once you put it onto the cover, it actually shows images. So you move it around. And that was really fucking cool, cool, but I don't think the um, vinyl has that. But um, you know what? I want everyone to go to Spotify. I know Ryan has a lot to say about this record, and I want them to. I don't want you to spoil much anything for people who haven't listened to it. Yeah. So oh, well, right before we get into it, yeah. this was also beyond being the first album I ever pre-ordered. Mm-hmm. The first time I like really sat down with a new album I've never listened to before. Turn turn the lights off. Put it in our like my stepdad had a really nice sound system, so I put it in there. Sat in the living room and just kind of like laid back in a chair. <laughs> Listen to it and then immediately listen to it again while reading through the lyrics. Oh, that's, what you, like, that's how you gotta do it, man. <laughs> I really just like I fully absorbed it. Like I, this one's in my favorites, both because it's like a really good album. It's my favorite Mastodon album, mm-hmm. um, but it's also like just really important in like me developing as a music listener. Yeah, a lot of a lot of my favorite albums kind of have that like. This hit at just the right time and had, did something special for me that still resonates with how I listen to music or appreciate music now. Okay. Um, but yeah, let's uh, let's get into it. We'll play a little sampler right here, and um, yeah, then we'll come back into it.
That was Mastodon's Crack the Sky. It sure was. So, uh, it's spelled Sky, S-K-Y-E. Yeah, I, I, that's a good place to get into it. Mm-hmm. So, the album was dedicated to the drummer's sister, uh-huh. who died. She committed suicide at 14, and he used this as kind of a way to deal with it, work through it. Um, really more of like an homage to his sister, so that's why it's spelled that way, because that's how her name was spelled. It was right. Sky. Um, and so that deluxe edition of the CD I have, when it accordions out, it has um, kind of just like lines on the side, mm-hmm. uh, either side of the outside of the accordion. If you yeah. turn it in just the right way, it has her face on it. Oh, nice. So I thought was really interesting. one of the things I really appreciate about the circus, I, I did I did know that about it at least, is that um, I thought it was done in a very respectful way. Like, like not trying to use her death as a commercial like like uh way it was i feel like it was done in a way to pay tribute in a really respectful way yeah yeah and, and it art, really was artistic I, I think this album is uh what do you call it it's kind of like self-indulgent but in not an annoying way yeah like yeah. this is like hey this is the album i'm gonna use as you know a tribute to something that's really important to me they tried a bunch of stuff that they've been meaning to try like this was kind of like the, let's just let's try it let's see what we can do and, and it's it, a banana story it way. works it completely works out let me see i've got the exact quote from the uh the drummer when he was asked about it let me um so is the drummer like co-lead singer he is this is the first time he he sang okay so he's this album has three singers on it mm-hmm but yeah, this is the first time that the um, the drummer was singer on it, and he opens uh, first track. Okay, but here, here's the story of the album. At quote, quote about <laughs> drummer. Okay. Uh, there's a paraplegic, and the only way he can go anywhere is if he astral projects. He goes out of his body into outer space, and a bit like Icarus, he goes too close to the sun, burning off the golden umbilical cord that is attached to his solar plexus. So he's lost in outer space. Or so he's he's in outer space and he's lost and he gets sucked into a wormhole. He ends up in the spirit realm and he talks to spirits, telling them that he's not really dead. So they send him to the Russian cult and they use him in a divination and they find out his problem. They decide that they're going to help him. Uh, they put him in. They put his soul in the inside of Rasputin's body. Rasputin goes to usurp, usurp the Tsar and he is murdered. The two souls fly out of Rasputin's body through the crack in the sky, and Rasputin is the wise man that is trying to lead the child home to his body because his parents have discovered him, and by now they think that he's dead. Uh, Rasputin needs to get him back to his body before it's too late, and they end up running into the devil along the way, and the devil tries to steal their souls and bring them down, uh, and there are other obstacles along the way. Yeah, that's bananas. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, there's, a, there's a lot more like little details in there, too, um, outside of his... Uh, just the quote itself, like Rasputin knows he's going to get assassinated, so that's why he agrees to let the spirit go in his body. There's a part during like the last song where you start to think, like, is Rasputin going to take over this kid's body? Because yeah, from all we know about Rasputin, he was a bad guy. Yeah, but is he really? It's what, this, then, it's what this album postulates. Yeah, <laughs> and then you have the thing running in the background of. Uh, like they might be trying to bury this like empty shell of a body that they're trying to get back to. So they're kind of like racing against the clock, trying to get back for that. 
So, uh, I think we should go for uh, track by track. Um, yeah, I listened to this this uh, this album three times. Once, or four times. Sorry, once uh, just while doing other stuff. Second time was I sat down, wrote notes on it. Third time was this morning. And then third time was I listened to my record one more time and then yours. So, um, yeah. So, uh, because I I want to be super familiar with it, and I got notes in here. Uh, Perfect. We'll start with Oblivion. So. One of the things I noticed people saying about this record, my brother was, uh, he was a fan of Mastodon. He said he did not like this record uh, because he felt like, I guess, the first time I heard it wasn't heavy enough. I, was like, I asked him what he thought about it. He's like, it's hard rock. And he's 100% wrong. This is a metal record. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is metal. Like, listening to the guitars, everything about it is metal to me. Yeah, but they, they did approach this as, like, being inspired by 70s progressive rock. Mm-hmm. So... One of the guitar players listened to King Crimson's and the Court of the Crimson King <laughs> every day during the recording of this album. Nice. They also, um, I think the drummer, or no, the bass player, listened to uh, Pink Floyd's Animals mm-hmm. every day during the recording. Like, that that was the vibe they were going for, is they were going for 70s progressive rock. Yeah, because... But uh, they uh, are, when you boil it down, at the end of the day, they're still a metal band, so yeah. it has some kind of, like, lighter elements but to it. But when you said listen to those records, uh, this does have a very vintage feeling to it, mm-hmm. you know? You know, um, But, uh, yeah, it starts out with, basically, uh, the first verse just mentions a soul flying. <laughs> um, uh, you know, it flew beyond, beyond the sun before it was time. Mm-hmm. Burning all the gold that held me in, held me inside my shell. So, so like you said, that's the that's the umbilical cord burning off. Because in a lot of um, theories about astral projection, you're still connected to your body by like a golden umbilical cord. So he gets too close to the sun and it burns off, and that's how he gets lost in space. Ah, uh, um, <laughs> about one fifty in, one minute and fifty seconds into this into this song, I got something that would remind me of stuff throughout the whole record. It sounds like Ozzy and, and uh, Lane Staley of Allison Chains came together <laughs> and yep. made a record. You know, that's what I got. I got I got Lane Staley and I got Ozzy Osbourne. Uh, not it's, a bad it's thing. So many Ozzy vibes, and I know the the drummer loves like Randy Rhodes and yeah. stuff like that. So I'm sure. I mean, the drummer's not writing the guitar riffs, but yeah, there are a lot of riffs on there. It's like this could be a Ozzy riff. Yeah, and that's that's not a bad thing. It's a it's a very cool record. Uh, a lot of people shit on Ozzy because they think he's an old guy uh, metal, which kind of is. I mean, mm-hmm. even want to look, look at it that way, but he's also he's also an incredible musician. Um, so there's worse things you can take influence from. But uh, yeah, that's I, I, I wrote because I hear I hear Ozzy big time and I hear Alice in Chains sort of like groaning. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, and that's not bad either. Uh, but um, you also get a lot of. So you'll probably notice throughout the album, uh, they added a keyboard player mm-hmm. for this album as well. Yeah, that's definitely noticed that. Um, which they'd always thought, like, hey, we, we've always thought of Mastodon as, like, a five-piece. Like, we've wanted to have a keyboard player for the longest time. Did they actually have someone come in and do keyboards for this? Yeah. Uh, they. I think he was even the touring musician that came with them. Okay. Um, so it's like he was, at least for one whole album and tour cycle, like a full member of the band. And I don't <laughs> think he's in the band anymore. Um, yeah, and they, uh, so another thing, I I know we're supposed to be talking about Oblivion, but as the album as a whole, um, all of their albums kind of have, not all of them, except, uh, The Hunter and Once More Around the Sun, 
all their albums are very loose concept albums mm. based on like the elements. Okay. So Remission is fire. Yeah. Leviathan is water. Yeah. Blood Mountain is. I want to say Earth, but it's I not. Think it's imp- not blood. No. <laughs> um. But uh, everyone thought Crack the Sky because it's about sky was going to be air when it came out, but it's actually ether, which nice. is like the you know the mystical part of the universe. So you do kind of get that like very like ethereal vibe to it. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's why it doesn't sound as heavy as well as like that's kind of the vibe they were going for was like, you know, less heavy, uh, ethereal sounding stuff. So this, the, I'm, I'm on Genius. So Genius, go ahead and they start dissecting things ad nauseum. Right. Um, so we get the to the um, first, I guess, verse by Troy Sanders. Um, they that's when the, I guess, people had massed on certain. Start looking at at the uh, at Sky. This is um, the um, person the the uh, album's dedicated to. Did you get that from the chorus where it says "Lost love, bright eyes fading faster than stars falling"? How can they tell you that it failed? Yeah, I think I, all of all of it's kind of steeped in mm-hmm. that. Like it's it becomes more apparent like later on in the album. Oh sure, uh, like where I feel like the title track is a lot more like direct with mm-hmm. what people are going through. But yeah, I think it, it touches on it at various points. Like probably when they were writing lyrics, they're like, Hey, can we like maybe tinge this a little bit more with, you know, this? <laughs> yeah. It makes me wonder if they, uh, if, if maybe, cause it's mixed. Like, did they, they write this story based on, on that? Like, did they take what happened to sky and they sort of wrote a story around it or did they, bring these two things together, you know, like when it comes to the story and, and, um, uh, sky's fate, you know, like it's kind of hard to know. I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think probably like the emotional side of it is more, more based in real life. And then the, the story was just a fun story that they wanted to write. It about. was it's definitely crazy. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, oblivion has like an amazing guitar solo. <sighs> Dude. Like just, it still gives me chills, and the uh, it was improvised. Oh shit! Really? Did, did, the guitar seen... player has never played it the same way twice. Okay, so you've seen it live, I'm guessing. Have you? Yeah, he's even said it in interviews. He's <laughs> like, I didn't write it down. I didn't plan that. He's like, I just played it, and it's like, how do you do such a perfect guitar solo? Yeah, the, I mean, there've been things when I've fucked around the guitar. I'm like, how did I do that? I'm gonna be able to do it again, you know? Yeah. But but I'm, I'm yeah, um, Mastodon they. They inadvertently show off how good they are at their instruments throughout this whole record. I feel like yeah. they, they're like, "Oh, I just did that." <laughs> you know, like that's why I get. What are you from... gonna do about it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so uh, we can move to the next song, "Divinations." Yeah, uh, which opens with a uh, a fade in of a banjo playing the main riff. Yeah, which is badass. There, there's all kinds of cool stuff like that through this record. They have like different instruments that aren't the traditional rock instruments doing crazy shit, and then the song gets to and you're like, "Oh, there's Mastodon just pumping." Um, yeah. Uh, so this is the part of the story where the the spirit is being talked to by like Rasputin's mm-hmm. weird uh, Russian cult thing, and yeah, they yeah they basically yeah. use the term wormhole. wormhole. <laughs> um, yeah, and they start talking about the uh, the Kilsty, which is a Christian cult back in the late nineteenth um, century in uh, Russia that Grigory Rasputin was apparently part of. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I know I know a little bit of Rasputin. Um, there was a book I had growing up called The Most Evil Men and Women in History, and Rasputin <laughs> was one of them. They had a whole chapter on him. And so, uh, I mean, yeah, he was crazy. And if you look at videos, like pictures of him, he looks like a creepy fucker. <laughs> but, oh, yeah. But the, this, He's got a great beard, though. Oh, yeah. Uh, but in this one, he kind of seems like a good guy, Rasputin. <laughs> That's where I got, I got yeah, from this. Yeah, so I don't know if, like, they think as a band like he was a cool dude or if like maybe he's being a, a sneaky guy he's only a fascinating character person in history uh mm-hmm. without without a doubt yeah if you've ever seen uh what's what's that animated movie <laughs> um god oh um anastasia yeah anastasia they have a v- version of rasputin in there but this one this rasputin is he's trying to save this boy's soul <laughs> basically yeah. so yeah, this this song is basically it, it shows um, the kid um, flying through space. He gets sucked in a wormhole, and uh, and he gets basically brought back to the I guess the physical realm by being put in the Rasputin's body. So yeah. he's seeing everything Rasputin sees. He's feeling everything Rasputin feels, but Rasputin feels a sort of responsibility to help this kid out. Exactly. Um. It's, it's the, musically, this one's really cool. It kind of goes through a bunch of different phases and like ends on this weird like metal surf guitar riff. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. I like thought, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people don't like this song specifically off of this album because they think it's kind of like mastodon by numbers. Like you listen to it and you're like, yeah, of course, like of course they would do that because that's what Mastodon does. But I don't know. I like I would be very care- careful to because I I like mostly everything about this record. I think it's very very well done, and I don't think I think to look at it as someone's song is not the great way to look at this record. Um, there are definitely parts that I like more than others, but mm-hmm. I don't think any of it. I think this bro this thing was probably labored over. And every single second of it was examined, especially because yeah. the um, it's just a subject matter that it deals with. Like you, you can you can say, well, it's about what it is, but what is it really about? You know what I mean? Like, like I think that every anyone who had things to do with this were very meticulous and not in a way that's like like overanalyzing, but saying we want to represent this well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so correct, yeah. Like I honestly think that being looking at like. A mass on my numbers is not the right way to look at it, but yeah, I don't know. That's just how people judged it because uh, Oblivion and Divination were the two singles off of it. Oh, yeah, is that right? Okay, so they were released ahead of the album. And, and did you listen to them, or did you wait till the record comes out to? No, I had to listen to. Them. I was way too excited. <laughs> yeah. and I was really happy that they opened the album with those. Yeah, so it's like okay, I got the old stuff I know out of the way now. And I now can just get into it. Yeah, you can get into it. Um, which brings us into uh, qu- quintessence. Quintessence, the fifth essence, the yeah. fifth element, ether. Boom. Yeah, this, it all comes full circle. And this one is also just sort of explaining how how it feels in Rasputin's body, sort of. Exactly. Yeah, it's, yeah their it, souls are kind of yeah, it's it's around. It's, a, it's a put it on it, and it's got really cool lines. I, I really like a shield failure, speed farewell. I really like the, the line in the outro. Um, it's got, and I want to mention that, that there's no really ballads on this record. All of it's straight up massive on rocking out. Like, like yeah, almost exactly. all of it. Um, and, uh, uh, this song is a perfect sort of palette cleanser for the next one after this. I think. Yeah. There's two, two big 
tracks on this. Oh, yeah. And if you're, they had to have done this on purpose um, with the timing on it because it feels like the next track is the end of part one and then the last track is the end of part two. Like yeah. If you're going to listen to it on a record. Yeah. Yeah, would, yeah. It would feel very. It's a, uh, it's like a double LP? One side too. Is it double LP? Uh, I don't know. It's just on one disc. <laughs> wow. Okay. Um, yeah, but uh, in this song, they definitely kind of get a little bit more into the uh, like mystical space stuff because you get like demons show up in the, like the same verse. They're talking about demons. Uh, they're also talking about like space time paradigms. I do, you're really getting a lot of stuff mixed together. I don't mention the bridge um, where they say omnipresence and primal instincts. It's a very harmonized, like, sort of singing going on. It's, like, the first time I think I've heard that in a Mastodon record, for sure, where they actually sound, it sounds pretty, I guess, yeah. the best way to put it. Um, I don't want to say, that's the best way I can think to say that, but it's um, it's hard to hear. I mean, like, you can't really make it out, but you definitely hear some some harmonization going on just in that bridge that brings it to the, the letting go part, which is pretty cool. The, yeah, this is... This one has a lot of just the whole album really is a lot of really good kind of harmony and stuff, mm-hmm. which they did explore a little bit on uh, Blood Mountain, but a lot of their earlier stuff, it's just kind of what you run into with a lot of metal, where it's just like dudes screaming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, the, which the, I don't mind. I yeah. mean, that's that's what I listen to metal for a lot of the time. <laughs> but it's like you get the best of both worlds on this one. Yeah. Like, uh, you listen to Remission and even parts of Leviathan where basically do just like, 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 like uh, he's bellowing or groaning or screaming. And there's mm-hmm. some of that in this, but most of it to me, I think they were singing. Like, I think they were trying to gr- add a little bit of melody to this melodic uh, metal they were doing. Exactly. It's, it's their seventies prog rock. Album. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and yeah, I, I do like this song a lot, but actually going into the next one, the czar, or um, mm-hmm. that's probably to me the crown jewel of this record. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I know. I think th- I think people fall into two camps: is, uh-huh. is the Czar your favorite song, or is the Last Baron your favorite song? So, and I fall into the Last Baron camp. Ooh, okay. We'll talk. I think the Czar is a fantastic choice. Yeah, it's as well. it's, it's eleven minutes. It's about eleven minutes long. And it's broken into four parts. Four parts: the uh, usurper, escape, uh-huh. martyr, and spiral. It, Not to be confused with the new Saw movie that came out. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, not that good. Uh, but, um, uh, so uh, I, I want to mention part one of Usurper has has a, a line that's just stuck in my head even ever since I've heard it, like for the past four days. Oh yeah, what it, is it? Don't stay, run away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like it's uh, good because that's so part of this is like Rasputin is gonna do the thing, but. Through divination, maybe he's psychic, something like that. He knows he's going to get assassinated, which is why he accepted the dude's soul into his body. Yeah. So the first part of this is like people warning Rasputin, like, "Hey, man, they're gonna don't stay here. They're gonna fucking kill you." And he's kind of just like, "Yeah, dude, I know." Like, so the thing about Rasputin uh, from history, at least, is that Rasputin was dec- definitely fucking the queen, the Tsarina. Yeah. Like that, like that was definitely happening. And so they mentioned that by saying that the Zardina is warned of the danger he's in on the first mm-hmm. part, you know, saying, uh, yeah, get out of here. Um, but then after that, I, I do like, it's our your own fault. This is what we wanted, right? So yeah. he's talking about him and the, the soul that's in him. I think that's Yeah, what, or the usurpers, like yeah. him knowing that he's going to get killed. Like, hey, like, we know. We know this is going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Like, we wanted this. 
but it, it's that's really not how we're gonna get the change. I I do love I do love this song like like uh, like each part to me is perfect like uh, I I couldn't imagine putting in a song like this but it doesn't feel like it feels like one song but four separate parts like it it doesn't feel disconnected to me you know what oh, I mean yeah and it's like looking over it again what the uh, the names of each part are mm-hmm. it's just like yeah I know what that part is I know what that part is <laughs> uh, so we get to part two the escape. Uh, yeah, which is where it really starts rocking. Oh yeah, it starts to rock hardcore. And this is this is the part where I think you get a lot of the uh, Aussie influence mm-hmm. as well. Yeah, I actually put part two Aussie was there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, but yeah, it's it it starts to pump big time. Part two, it's you know, uh, it's just talking about the souls escaping. It talks about the how their souls escape their body, um, not necessarily the um, the way they escaped it, but but oh, the, I think I think this part is the part where they've done the... They've assassinated the Tsar. Yeah. And then they're having to run. So I think they're still living in this part. Um, you know, they've kind of changed the the fate of Russia. Well, wait, all that. Tsar, I then, think the Tsar died in battle. And I think well, they it just that. says, leave the Tsar to die is the last Yeah, leave the Tsar to die part. in the battlefield where he died, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, and then, then it's Martyr, which I think that's where uh, he's assassinated. Yeah, and yeah. And then yeah. they... Then, which is just instrumental. There's not. Much yeah, it's to like talk it's like there. a minute long, maybe that part of the part three. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's just like you know, goofing on the guitar, some, some cool <laughs> synth. Yeah, goofing's a good way to put it. And then part four spiral, they talk about starting up through the crack in the sky, then which is go, that's them leaving his body, they leaving the body and making it to basically this, the ether. Yeah, yeah, which man. This part, this whole song just has so many good guitar riffs in it. Oh yeah, and Spiral actually they tied together with the first uh, verse again, like with the first part of it, like like don't you know, uh, don't stay, run away. That that comes back at the yeah. end of this, unless my uh, Spotify fucked up, which I doubt it did. <laughs> it might have. Yeah, but yeah, this got the you know, spiraling up through the crack in the sky. Yeah, it's. I, I actually wrote down "Good Dude Rasputin" in part four of the because you know, basically saying Rasputin died to help this kid out. That's why he did it. You know, like which is hey, I mean, I, honestly, that's that's the best. Shit. I can't think of a better way to to you know uh, help someone than, than yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and then so they've died. They've gone up through the crack in the sky, mm-hmm. and then we start to see their kind of trials and tribulations more or less kind of like going through hell like what they need to get through to get the spirits back to this body oh, yeah. on uh the ghost of Corellia. yeah which is uh <laughs> this is this is a uh, pretty wild song um apparently the main inspiration on this song was lyrically by the tibetan book of the dead yep the, like, like I think the opening little the wrathful one nine eyes gaze holding skulls is straight from that yeah. Blood. Yeah. yeah yeah which exactly is, yeah and um it's it's I love the the imagery in this song it, it it's it it's just it's it's the uh, most metal shit I can imagine when they talk about this stuff <laughs> <laughs> you know like uh, holding skulls it filled the lace with human blood um fucking a uh, blue blood's shot eyes. Flattened portion. I said, like, I'm just thinking. I like, love the. There's a part in this song where, like, it gets very like. I don't, they do. He does. The drummer does a lot of like tom work, and it's very just kind of like simple chuggy guitar riff when he's talking about like feeling crust hum. <laughs> yeah. it, I don't know something. 
when you describe it out loud without having listened to it, you're uh-huh. like, yeah, you know, like all this stuff. Like every time I've explained it without somebody listening to it, it's just like, what the fuck? It, like this sounds like it's going to be so lame, so nerdy. It's also got sort of a space rock beginning, you know, like yeah. like, and then it gets into like, what Mass on do us is just the pummel, <laughs> you, yeah. know? <laughs> you know, and uh, I I love the imagery in this song. I was uh, it was it was a nice little um, chug guitar factor dealing not dealing but going through a ten minute song having this in there was uh, really really cool, <laughs> you know it's. Yeah, and they're, like, traveling through space and stuff. Yeah. There's a part where... And they don't know how long it's been because time doesn't exist there. So you got that little line and riff in there. It's, uh... How long has it been since we flew through the shadows? Uh, I have walked on many other planets. <laughs> yeah. Um, between heaven and earth. You know, like... like like, uh, And I also, like, uh, they talk about um, Venus and Mars, which I... I yeah. Where right when I was reading vapor I was, space. Yeah. You know, which I think that's the ether. Sinister Space twin paper. and bonded iron, which is hey man, that's cool. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, Ghost of Corellia, which is a really uh, awesome song. It was it's killer. It's cool. It's I think this song is like secretly one of like the really like intricate songs to play because I'll look up stuff for it. Um, you know, I don't know if you do this, but every so often you're just like, I kind of want to watch a a drummer from a band I like just kind of rip. For oh a yeah, bit. for sure. I did that with guitars, even guitars also, or I'll yeah, go online. So this song has like a, I think recorded for like guitar center, or like <laughs> premier guitar has the drummer like playing through it. And just like, Holy shit. I have a question. Have you ever like, look at, you're trying to learn a song guitar, but, but the tabs aren't doing it for you. So you mm-hmm. watch a YouTube video and you see a guy playing guitar, but you're like, why would he fucking do it that way? Like mm-hmm. they're obviously sliding there. Why is he going string down? Like, 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 I see that all the time. I'm like, I'm like, okay, I'm going to disregard that part of the video. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, a lot of what I do is like, I'll like hear that something's wrong and I'll try to watch a live version of it mm-hmm. with an actual person playing it being mm-hmm. like, oh, it's actually not that hard to play. Like, Cause a lot of the tabs that people play, like they forget that you can switch strings and <laughs> yeah, get the yeah. same notes on higher places. Yeah. It, like, it's not like there's, it's not like they need to slide. Cause you'll hear, I know, like I hear some stuff. Where people would switch the string, but they obviously slide it to the fret, like hearing it. Yeah. But yeah, there's some where people just like, I'm like, why do you make it so much harder than it has to be? You know, like. Yeah. So, you know, there's one where you're like sliding up 12 frets. Yeah. It's just like, no, just move. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Crack the Sky. Uh, titular track. Titular track. Track uh, seven, I believe. Yeah. New vocals I, by Scott yeah, Kelly from like, Neurosis. Like like every single... Have they done it with every record? I know they did it with... I think every record has them on there. And they did... If you want to see something really cool, mm. uh, Kerrang! Magazine posted a YouTube video where they did a short concert mm. with Scott Kelly where they just played the songs that he was featured on and he was lead singer. Scott Kelly's awesome. <laughs> I love Scott Kelly. Like... <laughs> I'll, I'll have to like send it to you at some point, but it's really good. It's like thirty minutes long. It's not a terribly long live concert, but you know, professionally recorded. Mm-hmm. This Krang magazine did it. Um, but holy shit, yeah, he does some of their better songs. Uh, yes, yeah, Kelly, his voice is perfect for Mastodon, and it's definitely the more metal voices out of, out of this. Like he, Scott Kelly, just sounds like a like he's screaming. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, and um, he. Um, or this song, I think, is the the heaviest on the album. Like, this is the most metal song on here. Yeah, and it's also the one I think that, strangely, it's, it's like, the most personal, I would say. Yeah, and that's... So, Scott Kelly actually went to the drummer, because the drummer approached him and was like, hey, I really want you to sing this, because I think your voice is perfect for mm-hmm. it. 
And then they, like, emailed back and forth. I guess uh, the drummer had given him a picture of his sister, Scott Kelly, and he just kind of sat there, and he's like, I meditated on it, and, like, I looked at it and really, like, encompassed, encompassed it and, like, tried to, you know, bring out the emotion. So he's like, I, I fixed him the lyrics to try to, like, make it as personal and perfect as possible. He's like, I wanted this to you know, just be as perfect as I possibly could. So it's like, this song is also partially written by Scott Kelly. I, I do want to mention that the, the, this song out of all the ones is the one that that really tries to let the listener know what this is really about. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, like it has that story, but they were they they were able to parallel the story with what happened to, um, to, uh, to Sky. And it's... Yeah, so you really get the emotions of, you know, someone dying... But then this is also the part in the story where, at least how I interpret it, this is where the family finds the kid that's lost in space. They just find, you know, an empty shell of a body. This has really heartbreaking lines to me. Um, like, uh, Mama, don't let them take her, don't let them take her down, at least alone. Yeah, which is, like, I think the only metal song that I've heard somebody say, like, Mama, yeah. and you being like, oh, shit, that's badass. And then, uh, for example, also says, please tell Lucifer you can't have this one. Her spirit's too strong, which is, mm-hmm. like, like you know, if you're familiar with um, at least Christianity, the Bible says that if you kill yourself, you're going to hell, right? Yeah. Um, which um, we'll, t- we'll talk about more about religion later, but uh, but yeah, this this is a heartbreaking song, and it's it's heavy as fuck. It's a heavy song. Um, yeah, and you get that like little bit of like actual. Like singing on it, like harmonic singing, mm-hmm. melodic singing, uh, which says like I can see the pain. It's written all over your face. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's so fucking sad, but it's killer. Um, it's it's such a good song, but yeah, this is it's very heavy. A lot of like double bass and uh, just this really just like chuggy like do 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 Then we get to uh, the last Baron. Which is your favorite song? Last Baron, the last song, my favorite. Thirteen minutes long. Yeah, very similar to the Czar. It kind of goes. It goes in phases. Um, It doesn't. The parts aren't named different things, but it's like this is kind of final trial. Um, It seems like the the kid is kind of like starting to lose energy or patience or something for getting back to their body, and Rasputin's kind of dragging them along. So, doing the best he can, but then there also there's. It also seems like reading through the lyrics, there's like little bits of like, Rasputin might be taking over this kid's body. What are your thoughts on? Did they can make it back? I don't know. I think it's purposefully meant to be vague because some people are like, yeah, the kid made it back, but they'd already buried the body. <laughs> that would be awful. <laughs> um, there's somewhere like Rasputin took over. There's somewhere they just got absorbed back into uh, the universe. You know, the ether. Yeah. yeah. Some people think they made it back, but they couldn't actually project anymore. I, so they're still kind of just trapped in their body. I mean, it's, I mean all those all those ideas to me are terrifying. Mm-hmm. But I, I sort of the way I took it is that, you know, there's some scars that people never heal from. You know, like yeah. like, like injuries or uh, or horrible things that that I mean you'll go through life, but that's that always be with you. You know, mm-hmm. and I, I'm sure everyone has something like that in their life where. Where you know whether it be like something that happened in high school or something that, that happened recently, this this you know you learn to live with the pain that that this thing has caused, and um, that's how I sort of took it, like sort of saying like like um, your life has changed, it may not be good, may it may not be bad, but that's what it is, you know, yeah. and so that's how I took it, um, mm-hmm. 
No, and, I can I can totally see that, and I think. I mean, story-wise on this one, you also get a bit of, like, kind of, like, wandering, because, you know, they, what do you say, like, faltering footstep, dead-end mm -hmm. path, and it's, like, they're trying, they're at this point, like, almost, like, working through, like, a labyrinth, trying to find stuff back, and I think, I, I do you know, dealing, dealing with stuff like this and grief is kind of a, a labyrinth. And... But, but I do like the fact that they use, basically, like, 70s prog rock uh, imagery, like, um, at the end, it, all, all that I need is this wise man's staff. Yeah. Encased in crystal, he leads the way. Like I'm just thinking, oh, yeah. it's so Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah, which is badass. It's not, it's mm -hmm. it's not bad, but but um, but yeah, yeah. Musically, this one starts off with um. Oh yeah, it starts. Out, I want to. This is my favorite part about actually this whole record is it starts out with a sort of Russian melody, like sort of like it sounds like you're in the court of a Russian czar, and that's what's being played. You know? Yeah, and it's all like it's like acoustic guitar. Yeah, they. Th this is probably the most prog rocky on here yeah um and then it gets into the metal um yeah it, it starts to get really metal and they do this really cool part this is like the self-indulgent part right. you hear in interviews there's like yeah we've ever since our first album wanted to do like a really cool just like math technical metal part in a song and then like this was the song it was in so you get this little like do, 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 do. Like, and it kind of comes out of nowhere, but I don't know. I think it's really cool. No, that's really neat. <laughs> I like that a lot. Uh, and uh, I still, like, I wrote down on my notes that Crown Jewel of this record was was uh, The Czar, but this is my second favorite song on the record. And I think that's totally valid. I think most people tend to lean towards The Czar. Yeah. But I, this one's just such a journey, and all the I love all the individual parts, I think. It's very much like a culmination of the whole album where it's like you've got the really good harmonic parts and like the singing's really good on it. Mm -hmm. You get some really badass metal parts. You get some really cool guitar solos. Um, yeah, it's it's just really cool. And it's, you know, it's a little more out there um, lyrically, yeah. a little more out there musically. Like this feels the most like they hit that like fusion of metal and 70s prog rock just right on the head yeah which i'm a big fan of 70s prog rock oh so sure it's yeah, like, yeah. It's, it's perfect oh yeah this is a very ryan record um <laughs> yeah but uh i, I do want to mention like like when people say it's not metal i completely disagree uh i couldn't disagree. it's yeah it's i don't know i think a lot of people when a band comes out with something that's like i everyone kind of expects metal bands just kind of keep getting heavier and heavier and heavier <laughs> yeah and at a certain point, you kind of run out of room to go through. Yeah. Um, but this is like, they explored stuff that they like. Like, mm -hmm. bands have other influences beyond the genre that they make. Yeah. And I think this is them branching out and exploring and really, it feels very inspired and interesting. Like, I don't something about it just feels like this was the album that they wanted to make. Yeah, I'm sort of wondering how people, because there are a lot of people that say that the worst thing a band can do is mature. <laughs> you know, like, like, mm -hmm. like when you're a kid and you're in uh I remember this guy, uh, I knew really liked Incubus when Make Yourself came out. He was looking forward to the one, like, I Wish You Were Here, whatever that record's called. Mm -hmm. But uh, he read an interview with Brandon Boyd, the singer of Incubus, and he was bummed out. And I'm like, why? He's like, because they say that this record's much richer than the last one. <laughs> you know? But that's that's a really little kid, it's like a teenage way to look at something. Yeah, I don't want you to mature. I want yeah. you to stay the same. But this is, a, to me, an example of 
uh, of definitely showing your influences in a way that's still very interesting and better yeah. in a lot of ways than other things they've done. What in the in the pantheon of your master on fandom, where does this fit? This is number one. Number one. What's number, number two? Number one. Uh, probably Leviathan. Yeah, we talked about actually. Now we talked about both those records on the podcast. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So Leviathan's my number two. Then Blood Mountain. Then Remission. And then maybe like Emperor of Sand. I really don't like a lot of their stuff after this. Mm. I think I think this album exhausted them. Oh yeah. Like, because after this they did the Hunter and they did. Um, once more around the sun the hunter they made as like we're gonna make a party album like that's what they said like this you can put on in the background of like a party and people won't be too mad that you're listening to a metal album were you like oh no were you like that when you read that yeah i was like that when i listened to it too like (laughs) it doesn't sound very good i think after this album came out the um guitar player got he got really drunk at like i think like the vmas and pissed off the bass player from system of a down who knocked him out and gave him permanent brain damage holy shit yeah so he the guitar player was in a coma for a while the other the rhythm guitar player kind of took over as lead songwriter for like two albums is that the guy with face tattoos that's the one who got knocked out okay he's the lead guitar player okay gotcha rhythm guitar player has a mullet and like a really handlebar mustache okay yeah Brent, Um, Brent Williams is the one with face tattoos uh, Brent Hines, I mean. Or, yeah, Yeah. so, wow. And so stuff kind of changed a little bit. Um, They stopped really, like, following themes. Like, they stopped doing a lot of the stuff that I thought made Mastodon interesting. Mm. Um, And they started kind of retreading stuff. Now every album kind of has, like, this is a tribute to someone I know who died. And you're like, ah, he already did a whole album. (laughs) Like, you can... So, uh, Scott Kelly, is he on every Mastodon album? I think he's on there at least once on every album. Except maybe remission, but don't quote me on that. Yeah, I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, that was uh, Mastodon's Crack the Sky. Definitely hope you guys didn't spoil it and went to listen to it because it's a it's a pretty good record. Yeah. Um, also, if you if you like this one, one thing that they did they had a uh, they released a live album mm-hmm. called Live at the Aragon. Decent live album. I don't listen to live album very much, but the deluxe edition of that album had something called Crack the Sky the Movie, Mm -hmm. which when you saw them live during the Crack the Sky tour, they had a rear projection thing that played throughout the whole thing, and they played the album straight through. They took those rear projections and released it as a movie with Crack the Sky. So I have the DVDs. You can watch the, the rear projections that are playing with the album. That sounds cool. And it whips. It's the coolest part of the live at Argon thing. Again, <laughs> so live albums in, but if you get the crack the sky, the movie, it's yeah. totally worth it. All right. So that's um that's a uh, Mastodon. So Mastodon's crack the sky. Please listen to it. When I when I pulled the storytelling um theme, I had two records to come to mind. Both of them were indie records. One is uh, and the, both of them has kind of the relationships. But one was um the Good Life album of the year. Which, to be fair, most uh, the lead singer of The Good Life is Tim Casher, who's also of Cursive, and most of the records had to do with the shit that happened to him, like the divorce he went through. Like, that's right. most of the records. <laughs> like, most of the past, like, he's done, like, four records about that. Um, Battle of the Year is a great one. It's a fantastic record. And then <clears throat> I was doing a bit more searching, and I was talking to my brother, and I mentioned this one. He's like, that's perfect. And I, my, my pick is Page of the Lion's Control. 
now, Page right. of the Line is led by Dave Bazan. Dave Bazan was, uh, he's interesting in the way that Page of the Line, when they first started out in 1996, they were essentially a Christian band, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but, but his lyrics were always very critical of, of either at least the evangelical world or just talking shit on Christians in general. Like, like <laughs> I guess what his view of it was, but, but starting in 2002, which is when, Con- oh, I'm sorry, 2004 when Control came out, um, you can tell he's sort of losing his faith in a way. Like, right. uh, but he was still playing Cornerstone, which is this, which is like kind of like war tour for for Christian bands. Oh, really? I've uh, never heard of it. Yeah, yeah. Cornerstone. They were playing that, and in two thousand five, he got kicked out because he was shit faced. He he he, he uh, brought a jug, a milk jug full of vodka, and um and um you know Cornerstone's dry, right? Right. Um and. If you wear the rather weird some street day, there's stuff like ter- terminology that doesn't belong on a Christian record. Yeah, I think this is this is the album that it has the most instances of the word come. <laughs> and it's not like a joke album. Like yeah, yeah. outside of a guar album, yeah. the times I've heard it the most. Um but yeah, so Dave Bazan, I I uh when I was first got introduced to Page of the Line, it was their first record of uh, finding a friend is hard, and I didn't uh-huh. listen to it that much. And I drifted away from Page of the Line completely because I stopped listening to Christian music. And um, then I heard about his solo stuff. He had a record that he stopped doing Page of the Line in 2006. He started doing solo records. Um, first one's called Cursor Branches, and people call that record basically his breakup record with like Christianity. Okay. Um, and it, the interesting, I felt like he went sort of the same, the same sort of uh, journey I went through when it comes to sort of like religion and how it, how it um, affected me and how how I basically left it. Sort of like I mm-hmm. felt like he was, we we not kindred spirits because I wasn't like super deep into like like the the world of it, but I felt like I, f- I felt sort of vindicated, <laughs> like you know like like. And so uh, I've seen Davis on twice. Both uh-huh. times were uh, actually like he's doing like house shows. You know, like he'll go in and like thirty people show up. You know, like oh wow, yeah. And um, what he does in the middle of his song, like, he takes questions. You know, so he's done that with every single show he's done, including his live full band shows. You know, mm-hmm. People ask questions. I remember before he basically said, um, you know, I'm done with this, like the Christianity part. People would raise their hands and be like, he'd be, they'd be like, are you even a Christian anymore? He's like. That's a really personal question. You find me afterwards and we'll talk about it, but I don't feel comfortable talking about it in front of all these people, you know? Hmm. And so, and, um, but <laughs> Page of the Line, I, I got into control long after it came out, like probably eight years ago. Um, and so, because uh, what he did is he went out, he got a full band together, and he played the whole record through. Um, it's the most popular record. And it's not hard to see why. Um, what were your thoughts when you when you first listened to it? Um, I, I didn't really have any like right off the right the top of my head. Like I really liked it. Yeah. I didn't. I did definitely didn't pick up on any of the like used to be a Christian band stuff. Oh, yeah, um, <laughs> um, no. Well, actually, you know what my first impression was. What? Um, I listened to it and was like, oh yeah. I thought this was one day as a lion, 
the Zack De La Rocha project <laughs> and not Pedro the Lion. So it's like when you said that this was the album we were listening to, I was like, really? One Day as a Lion? I don't remember that being very story heavy, but well, I'll give it a shot. Yeah. So Pedro the Lion is actually is a, uh, it's a character from a children's book that hasn't been written yet. That's that's okay. a, that's the closest I get for the name of the. Of the name. I looked and looked and that's that's what I got. That's what came through. Um, okay, but well, the, this record I'll, I'll go ahead and say it's basically about a uh, a cheating husband and what happens to him. Yeah. Well, yeah. should we listen to the sample? Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, this is Pedro Lines Control. You can find it on Spotify. So we're gonna give you about ten seconds. Pause it. Listen to it. Come back. And here we go. the lines control in 2004 that, that was good yeah yeah so um the first song to me starts out kind of like slow core <laughs> like that's what yeah. you get through it like yeah options um, is what it's called. yeah 
and it's uh, it basically just shows a idyllic couple walking down the beach and what's going on in this dickhead's head. Like, like what? Yeah, because like it does, it does kind of have like you know romanticized. We're walking down the beach, and then, uh, what does he say? He's like, uh, he says, uh, he says, I can never divorce you without a good reason, and though I may never have to, it's good to have options. Yeah, I, I when he said that, I was like, well, that's kind of fucked up. I did not know what this album was about. So yeah, I was, I was on for the story, especially you know as it goes on, and I'm just yeah. like, what the fuck? Yeah, so it's. Dave Mazan has a very rich baritone, but it's also kind of deadpan in the way it's it's very sardonic and cynical, like a lot of yeah. this record. And um, it's not only about relationships; it's about capitalism, obviously, about consumerism. There's parts of it. I think it you you kind of it all gets culminated with like the last track. Uh-huh. But I think all the themes in this album are kind of connected to each other. Mm-hmm. Um, where it's like you know he goes off on some bits about capitalism, but it's like that's all stuff that the the husband has uh, internalized. Where right. it's like this is what the ideal life should be. Um, so you get you do get some songs that are like he you you get the sense that he's doing these things because he thinks that like that's what he needs out of life. Right. Um. In a yeah, so we don't really hear the rock part until you get into the second song, Rapture. Um. Which yeah, starts which out. I, I immediately wrote more rock and songs. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, it starts out with pretty, uh, pretty ugly sounds, and uh, it's. I want to mention it's. This record's not recorded the best. It's. It sounds a little blunted. Sounds a little muted. Sounds a little tinny. But that. Uh, yeah, maybe. I there's the version I listened to on Spotify is the remastered version, okay. so I noticed no uh, production issues. Okay, um, but th- this song <laughs> is about fucking. <laughs> like it's about. Yeah, this is this is him cheating. Yeah, it's like, him cheating. Um, dude, they just dive right into it. It's like this. You listen to the first track, and you're like, "Oh, this dude's a fucking asshole." And yeah. It's like, "Oh, this dude's a fucking asshole." Yeah. So, it, like for the example, the first two lines, "This is how we multiply peas." That's not my life. But it has like imagery, like a trembling sigh, which I wrote down, uh, pushing deeper still. And uh, part of this record, this song in particular, has a lot of Christian imagery. Mm-hmm. Uh, like the well, scene, I mean, it's called Rapture. Yeah, yeah. So the seed and the spill, right? That's that's part of it. Um, uh, talks about that in Genesis even more. It talks about see <laughs> you see spilling. Like, for example... Yeah, I mean, it seemed like a lot of it was, like, the way he was describing stuff and then with the religious imagery was just, like, this level of passion that he's feeling in his extramarital relationship mm-hmm. was close to, like, a religious experience. Yeah, uh, for example, they even mentioned Gideon and Jorah, and then, like, oh, my sweet rapture, here, Jesus calling me home, which, like, mm-hmm. like, I can't imagine what Christian listeners were thinking when they heard this song. You know, like... Like they're like they're probably what the fuck <laughs> like like yeah. like literally but like like um yeah this this song is it's got all kinds of imagery that I love in it like and not because I'm like a, a a pervert but because because it's it's so fucked up <laughs> like you know what I mean most of, yeah a lot of this album is and it's kind of just like especially if this was being listened to, listened to as like a Christian album mm-hmm. like how negative all of it is like there's so much stuff in here where you're just like yep that's fucked up yeah that's fucked up oh man that's fucked up so the last four lines of this oh my sweet rapture here jesus and the angels singing hallelujah call me to enter the promised land which is like to me when he says that i feel like he's like take that christian sort of like he's yeah. sort of like 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 this is what you do you think god's on your side really in the side you use it like sort of like that's how i that's how i felt this song is fucking 
I love this song, but it's so fucked up. <laughs> yeah. And I really like, I don't, I'm sure, you know, they were working on this album for a long time, but because it is a story album, concept album mm-hmm. thing, you do get a lot of like connected themes, connected lyrics. There's uh, a line from Options that says something about, you know, so much at stake. Yeah. Well, and with, then in this song, he says, with everything we could lose, yeah. like, you really do get a lot of these kind of, you know, paralleled imageries images about you know the same stuff yeah which brings us in the penetration which i think is a better name for rapture but whatever (laughs) (laughs) so uh this song is it's talking about consumerism capitalism and corporate culture um and basically the guy the main character losing his job right does he lose his job i felt like he was this was just more of a like overview of the world he's working in yeah that could and be he's true kind of he's he's bought into this like capitalistic image of just like you know yeah people are disposable whatever that's part of this thing um i mean he's still not happy with his job but he still wants to be that like ideal person that has money and women and cool cars and a cool haircut and he like he's hot <laughs> for someone who's um for someone who's maybe in this culture or. Uh, like the the first verse of it can make people feel uncomfortable. You see, it made me feel a little bit uncomfortable. For the example, like uh, saying that you know, if you're an idealist, and you're, do successful men keep in touch with their unsuccessful friends? Right? Like, like yeah, yeah. And it talks about like a clever ad for cigarettes. Like that to me, that first verse is so biting. It's like it is, and I mean, you do see pe- a lot of people that are like that, and it's like that's how they gauge their success. Is like I got to cut these people out of my life because they're holding me back yeah and or, it's like from what or it makes them feel uncomfortable you know like like yeah. like that like like that they don't want to feel shame for being this way <laughs> or something yeah, or like that they don't want to they don't want to feel shame for having a friend who's un- as, less successful than them yeah and so but i think i think this is like him buying into it yeah and you know an overview of kind of this like shitty capitalistic corporate culture but then later on, it kind of gets into, like, this is how the husband guy kind of thinks of, you know, women. That's a good way to put it. Yeah, for example, like, for example, if his penetration that isn't worth the kiss, you know? like Exactly. So yeah. it's like he's he's got these same views, but in, like, his relationships. Yeah, and, like, that verse, too, where it talks about we're so sorry, bird, sir, but you not quite make the cut this time, where they're basically just talking about the disposable culture of corporate america right like like you're just a number not a person um yeah it's a uh, this i i like i like penetration quite a bit um it's probably when i was listening to the record the song they kept me listening you know like oh yeah 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 it's like it was like okay yeah i'm in like i can say at least i like these three, first three songs a, a lot yeah <laughs> <laughs> um which brings us in the track for indian summer yeah, which I I noticed while I was listening, kind of in the background, there's like little like flavor, little sprinkling of um, synth, yeah, for sure, synthesizer. Uh-huh. But it was all it was all kind of in the background. Like mm-hmm. if you're listening for it, you'll hear it. But if you're not, you probably won't even notice it. This one, it's a little bit more obvious. It has a like a little melody. Oh, yeah. it's higher up on the in the register. Yeah. Um. Um. But what I got from this one. It, you know, it's like these themes are connected between songs where it's like, I feel like Control and Rapture work as one piece and then ra- uh, Penetration and Indian Summer work as one piece. Mm-hmm. Maybe not one piece, but like we, we're spending two songs thinking about this theme. Yeah. 
where, you know, Penetration is setting up the, like, corporate culture, how his mind is working within this corporate culture, how he's applying business practices to marital and relationship practices. Indian Summers seems very similar where it's like he has the opportunity to kind of move up in his job. And that's, I mean, that's his ideal. He's a big, you know, successful rich guy, but with how, like at what cost, which is kind of, I think where Indian summer lies, like, Hey, it's a really long summer, but what does it matter if everything's, you know, great and awesome because the winter's still going to come and it's going to be that much worse. And to me, this is just like overtly political song on the record for sure. Mm -hmm. Like, um, one of the things that he's saying at Cornerstone, he's saying this song, uh, and you know, there's a line that says, All the experts say you ought to start the young. That way they'll allow you to love the taste of corporate cum. And when, when I first when I first read that, even as someone was out, we were like, Fucking whoa. <laughs> like, like, <laughs> like uh, when he did it at Cornerstone, he sort of slurred the cum word, and people laughed in the audience and knew what he was really saying. But, right. But, um, yeah, this. That to me, when when you write something like that, it's said in such a such a snarling way. <laughs> like like like, yeah, I don't think you can look at that in a generous light. He's being he's being um, he's saying those things. Oh yeah, harshly. Um, there's also lines in here like um, if you miss this, if you are joining us now, you missed a brilliant speech. You live in the live in the streets to find out what the voters think. He works worked a miracle. I just bought a brand new car, like, like all that stuff, like, like again about capitalism, but more like, more like, what do we, what are people really getting out of this life we're living? You know, like, like is it yeah. about, is it about money? Is it about having things? What's it really about? Yeah, it does seem like the husband in the story mm-hmm. is more concerned with like his image of oh, being yeah. a great guy, but mm-hmm. he's actually you know below. You get it more on like um, magazine, yeah, especially is where he dives into it, but it's like he's concerned about his image of being successful and awesome and cool. But then like, if you go surface level at all, it's just like, Oh, this dude is a huge fucker with <laughs> shitty life. Yeah. Cause it's like, sure. He bought a new car, but he's working in this, you know, shitty corporate culture. It's like, what is he giving up to get all of this? Yeah. His neighbor seen him pull up in a Cadillac. Like, what does that yeah. mean? Yeah. Yeah. It, like, is that even worth anything? Yeah. Which brings us to progress. Which is sort of the same thing, more about keeping up appearances for people around you. Uh, this goes a little bit deeper into thinking maybe what happened. Uh, you know, there's a line in there that says, Your father drank a little. You're on liver number two. So it's sort of like. Yeah. So it's sort I got of- a lot of, um, like, raising stuff about, like, the repercussions of raising your kids based on, like, experience. Mm-hmm. like Or not experience, like, image. Sorry. Um, where it's like he wants to raise his kids to be like him who he thinks, you know, is super successful and super cool. But I mean, he's cheating on his wife and he has a shitty job. Um, but yeah, I also wrote down that same line, you know, father drank a little, you're on liver too, is like, you're kind of a more exaggerated version of what your parents want. Uh, you, parents maybe, maybe they she wanted... thought their, their personal failings are more or worse. Not as bad as yours are, you know, like, yeah. Um, uh, there's lines in here like, um, for though it's impossible to cure husbands bent for on cheating, you know, like, like it, it just talks about like what this family, this guy's family's like, and, mm-hmm. and maybe looking a little bit like maybe, um, maybe we should feel sorry, but I don't, you know, like that sort of thing. Like 
And for example, the the course goes if you're lucky, they'll turn out as good as you. You tell them that they're good to be good kids, but you know that it's not true. I think that that line sort of shows that if you're the father, they're going to turn out shitty. <laughs> you know, like yeah, it, it, a lot of it is kind of like like you know the idea is that they'll be just like you because that's that's your ideal. You think you're the ideal person. Yeah. But it's like you suck. Yeah, you're an awful person. <laughs> like, there's no growth. There's nothing. You're just creating more of you, who in this story is fucking awful. Yeah. Which brings us into track six on control magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, I I sort of get this is where the guy works, like like the, the, on the magazine. Like that's that's the guy the the guy's job. Um, it could be. I was getting a little bit more of like, um it being more about appearances where it's like he's worried about what's on the cover mm-hmm. what sells you know the it's what sells the magazine is how attractive and cool is the cover but it's like once you get inside once you get below surface level he's shitty he's also, awful music on this song this is based around the keyboard like like this whole song is this is my favorite song on the album oh, yeah? it's got it's got some really good drumming really yeah. good it, this song has great drumming on it but uh, uh, uh Little this um, is really interesting. tidbit drummer, all the drumming done by David Bazan. Really? Yeah. Is yeah. he like a one man band kind of thing? Uh, well, he does a lot of the music, but he has people to tour with him. But but uh, he was a drummer for his guitar player. So, oh, cool. Yeah, and it, that that's always really interesting. <laughs> like when you hear about that. So, mm-hmm. uh, uh, yeah, this like you said another thing about appearances. It's 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 a sad song. It's it's um. Like a lot of the songs in this record, it's very sad. But uh, like for example, like the bridge. Oh my God, what have I done? You know, like mm-hmm. like, oh man, this. Yeah, it's well, hard. I mean, I even wrote down just like all of the last verse, which is, uh, I feel the darkness growing stronger as you cram light down my throat. Where it's like, it doesn't matter like how much like positivity or just like be great you're pushing on somebody. It's like it's getting it's having the inverse effect along with. Um, how does that work out for you and your holy quest to be above uh, reproach? Which is like you're trying to be such a great person that nobody can have any complaints about that you're actually just super shitty. Yeah, and it, when that when you read that, like, you're sort of thinking about um about those people that you know that they're trying to be so righteous. You know, like mm-hmm. like like you know they're a shitty person. You can't fix that. <laughs> you know, like just 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 because you were trying to do something good here doesn't mean that. That, that those things will show up later. You know what yeah. I mean? Uh, then we get into track seven, Rehearsal, which is the part of the record where the wife finds out what the husband's doing. Yeah, and I, I love I love this song lyrically. Yeah. Uh, of just, like, she finds out about it, and she's not so much mad that it happened, but more so that, like, he doesn't even respect her enough to like try to hide it better yeah it's kind of like he's just doing the things that people do it's like oh i'm staying at work late Ooh. this one kind of ha- has like a, a jaunty like sort of happy feeling but you read the mm-hmm. lyrics and it's not at all um no. for example there's a line in the first two where it says i've ever caught you stepping out on a record it's hard to find a friend there's a song called the bad diary and in that he mentions that he tells his girlfriend that i know you've been stepping out so he, he uses that term stepping out that's mm. a term for infidelity, which I've never heard, and it sounds super old school. <laughs> like it does, out. but I, do, I definitely don't hate it. Yeah, not, not at all. Yeah, I I don't know. I think that's a a really funny way to uh, approach it. 
maybe not not like funny haha but just but, an like, interesting way to approach it yeah of like this dude is so cliche and caught up in this like this is what your life should look like he's he's so cliche he's caught up in being a cliche person and all this mm-hmm. stuff that he's doing stuff in cliche ways now where it's just like you're not even original enough to like try to hide this from me you're doing this in the way that like it's so stereotypical i know what you're doing it sort of it sort of um pushes like it, it hints on to what's gonna happen later mm-hmm. on the record you know like it sort of hints to it like how how the wife's doing oh, yeah. but yeah and then yeah cause she's what does she say she says if i ever catch I told you if I ever caught you stepping out, um, I'd, kill, I'd you. kill you. Something like that. But then she ends on being like, no, I. this needs to be more than just uh, me killing you. Like, it needs to be something more. And it's like, oh. Like, okay. it's something about, like, revenge and stuff like that. It's like, no, it needs to be more than just killing you. You need to die in a different way, which does foreshadow yeah. a so little bit. Track eight, uh, second best, It's to me, it's about the... It it follows two things. I think one verse is basically the wife trying to figure out, like, trying to deal with what's happening in a different way. Mm-hmm. Sort of like, like it's called second best, which, you know, it says, like, what's a, what's wrong with second best? You know, like, like. Yeah, I got, I also got two perspectives from this one. First being the wife, second being the husband. Mm-hmm. Kind of like where their minds are at yeah. at this particular moment. It's, about it's f- also a heavier song. It feel it's like borderline a metal song yeah and, and yeah they talk about uh they mentioned come in this re- in this song too yeah, um, yeah uh, it's the first verse feels like it's the the wife kind of trying to convince herself it's fine like, yeah you know, it's like oh she gets a break there's kind of less pressure on our relationship now it's like yeah maybe you know maybe he'll get whatever he needs elsewhere and i can kind of do my thing and then um it's the husband kind of being like well I don't know, maybe I don't need to be the best in this corporate life. Yeah. Like, maybe it's fine being kind of second place in this thing. Like, maybe I should stop rushing so much. And then he's also like, oh, maybe I can get a break, too. Yeah, and then the bridge, the, the last part of it mentions you know, the mattress creaks beneath the symphony of misery and cum. Still, we're mm-hmm. jacking back and forth and burning to one, sort of like saying, like, like I'm still doing this. Like, uh, I don't like it, but I'm still doing it. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, he's kind of chasing that, like the high of whatever Cheating. he was doing. Yeah, yeah. Basically he was, but it, I, yeah, it does kind of seem like, well, maybe I'll give it up now. It's like, it's not, it's not doing what it did before. Like maybe he's just not achieving what he thinks all of this would have achieved. And this is, uh, this shit's really dark. Like this whole record's super dark. Like, like, Oh yeah. At no point do you feel better about it. <laughs> What's happening It's it's, it's, it's perfect for, uh, this was also, in the running for depressing records, by the way, like, like oh, I'm sure, yeah, it gives me a bad case. Of this. Yeah, so we get into track down my favorite song on the record, Priests and Paramedics. Also a good song. It's very much the culmination of everything yeah. that's been happening. So basically, it's a it's paramedics going to take care of the husband who it dies. <laughs> we'll go ahead and say it. Yeah, he didn't die immediately no. though. He got taken by paramedics. I, as far as I figured out, he got stabbed in his sleep and bled out. Yeah. The, the, the one of the most um, part that gives me lyrics or gives me goosebumps almost almost every time you hear this song is where it says he wakes up screaming, "Oh my god, am I gonna die? Am I gonna die?" Like, yeah. like, I'm, and you sort of think about like if you're in a situation like where you're actually constantly saying this is gonna end in the next few moments, you know, like, mm-hmm. and you know, they, they, it says uh, times like these have been taught to lie, but you just calm down, you better right. Sing the paramedic is telling. 
the uh, shithead that no, you're not gonna die, even though the paramedic knows he's gonna die. Like, oh yeah, like this is unfixable. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, I also really like this one because um, it's kind of like the uh, the breakdown of that image. Like, yeah. it's clear he's worked so hard to kind of get this image where it's like neighbors like him, everyone yeah. likes him, everyone thinks their life's so perfect, but then they hear the fight and they see the paramedics pick him up and all that stuff, and it's like that image is broken now. Like. Now, now you're stuck with it because a lot of the stuff is like almost in like third person. Like you hear what like the neighbors hear. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's sort of interesting because it also it it has a structure, but it doesn't really follow structure when it comes to lyrics. Like, like for example, that, that die part. It's mm-hmm. it's repeated, but in a different way by a priest later on. Like, uh, yeah. And uh, I love the lyrics of this. It's 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 my favorite song on the record. And when he plays it live, he it's acoustic and he has a whole bunch of more finger picking to it instead of. The, you know, just the dun dun like basically the bar chord, like the power chord that's oh, yeah. being uh, plucked. But uh, yeah, like I've every I go on um, on YouTube now and I listen to all the different versions he's done it and other people doing it too to see how they how they play it. You know, yeah, like, uh, fucking on someone on ukulele playing this song when uh, Dave Bazan has such a deep, rich baritone when he's singing it. You know, like but this is this without a doubt is the song on the record that stuck out to me the first time I heard it. Like, it's the one that I stuck with. Like, the one that I'd go back to if I only had a few minutes, I'd skip to this song, you know? Of course, yeah. Yeah. Which, we close out with Rejoice. A very, um... It's... I'm gonna read the last, basically these last three lines. Wouldn't it be so wonderful if everything, everything were meaningless, but everything is so meaningful, and most everything turns to shit. <laughs> like, like, yeah which is like it seems like he was trying to approach it in a way that's like more depressing than existentialism <laughs> where he's like yeah I mean sure maybe it's depressing that every that nothing has meaning but like what if everything meant exactly what it means like what if everything had meaning and it all sucks yeah it's yeah so th- <laughs> that's controlled by page of the line um, what did you think of it like overall oh that was great yeah it's, it's like great in like a you know a very sad way. Yeah. But also sorry, going back to a rejoice. Yeah. The song also slows way down. Oh yeah, yeah. It, and there's a lot of space in it and it really gives you a chance to kind of ruminate on everything that happened throughout the album and what he's trying to say. And there's some like, dissonance in it too, like sort mm-hmm. of like 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 you know like a you're missing like you're hitting too many strings in this chord. <laughs> you know like, like Yeah. And it does kind of feel like a lot of the problems in the album were because different things meant more to different people. So it'd be like the image. Yeah. That was meaningful to somebody, but like, you know, family life wasn't meaningful to somebody or, you know, fidelity wasn't as meaningful to somebody else that it meant to someone else. Like it was the, a lot of things were kind of like in opposition. Yeah. And when it says each it, other, when we were full, everything were mean, like when everything were meaningless, like you sort of think about it. What he's saying is that like, why, if we could not care about these things, we would not be going through this, horrible shit we're feeling yeah if stuff didn't mean anything like stuff being meaningless is such a comfortable place to fall back in because it'd be like oh well that's shitty but whatever it doesn't matter but everything is so meaningful so you're gonna feel like shit regardless stuff does mean does mean things so (laughs) yeah i mean shitty things come out of it tough shit (laughs) but yeah no that was uh it was a really good album but it was definitely just like who doggy yeah 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 it was it was uh it's a tough one uh for some people to even listen to uh you and I, we listen to all kinds of stuff, so it's mm-hmm. it's uh, we enjoyed it. But there are people out there that 
hate this fucking shit. <laughs> you know, like I mean, I can't blame them. Like a lot of people just listen to music to do. You know, you want to listen to something because it wants to be you know nice to listen to. You want to chill out and be happy and, dance, and there's nothing fun about yeah. this album. You can't dance any of the songs on this record. <laughs> uh, so uh, in the Pantheon of page, page of the Line, this is my favorite of his. Uh, page of the line stuff. I there he has a couple of records which I I really enjoy, but no one else really does. <laughs> but uh, but he 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 stepped away from page of the line moniker. He came back a couple like a year ago, uh, mm-hmm. with a page of the line record, which doesn't mean he came back to faith, but he came back to basically playing in a band. If you want to learn more about Dave Bazan, though, there is a uh, documentary free on Amazon called Strange Negotiations. That I actually saw in theaters a couple of years ago when um when it finally the documentary was done it right. it aired in Kansas City Film Festival. Oh, nice! Yeah, and I went and talked to the guy who brought it, and he started talking about stuff I wasn't really interested in, so I tried to lead the conversation. But um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, if, if you if you're interested in David's on which uh I love the I love him um this is a really interesting documentary. Uh, if you do watch it, I do want to mention that he, him and his wife are no longer together. <laughs> okay. Just keep that in mind. Uh, I don't know why. I hope it has nothing. I hope it doesn't resemble anything that happened in this record at all. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, yeah, so that's Page of the Lines, uh, Control. You got those two on Spotify. If you're a sad bastard like me or Ryan, you'll be into it in some way or the other. Yeah. I think There's a lot to digest here. It's very, very interesting. Yeah. Both really good records we talked about today, though. Like, uh, yeah, I didn't have any complaints on anything we did. <laughs> so, Me neither. Yeah. Do you ready both to? Both kind of bummer albums. Yeah. Oh yeah. It, both it, kind of a bummer. The, yeah. the bummerness is hidden a lot more on Mastodons, though. Yeah. Yeah. You have to deep, dig, dig deep, and you'll get you'll bummed out. And this one's straight up just bummer. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> um, but I think we're ready to uh, laugh a little, and take a look in the hat for the next yeah. theme. New theme. New, New theme. theme. All right. Let me New do this. Theme. All right. Um, wasted potential. Okay. Yeah. So that's our next uh, theme. So we'll pick either a shitty record for a band that that had like a like for example, I have one in my head right now, but uh, but uh, yeah, it's sort of bands that fizzled out. Or I mean, we'll talk about it when we talk about it. But yeah, it, this one I think can be uh, interpreted a little bit more than a lot of our. Than some of our past ones, yeah, this, I think we can approach this from different directions and yeah, yeah, and decide so, what what potential was wasted. Yeah. So um, yeah. Uh, but uh, what else you got going, on, pal? Um. Well, I, me and my friend, uh, do the music for this podcast. We are called Smell. <laughs> uh, with Smell with a question mark. Um, we are on Bandcamp at smell.bandcamp.com. No question got, mark in that one though. No, we've got two two little EPs. They're decently short. They're both free. Uh, so if you like the opening song, that's from our first album. If you like our the song you're listening to now, it's from our second. Feel free to check us out. Download it for free. Uh, we'd certainly appreciate it. And what do you got going on? I do a weekly movie podcast called Movies That Don't Suck and Some That Do. Uh, we do two new movies a week, and since shit's coming back to theaters, you've actually been going to theaters to see movies. Spyro being one of them, I think next week we're actually seeing army of the dead and uh a different one in theaters so i mean i could Damn. watch army of the dead and netflix is out now but we'll see what happens um 
Sorry, you have to watch Zack Snyder movies. Uh, it's two and a half hours long, man. I don't know how. Oh I'm my do god. It. Yeah, no, it's it's Can rough. Can that man not make normal feature length movies? Yeah, I mean, I like Dawn of the Dead. I mean, I did. I mean, I, the remake. I mean, like the remake, but not you. <laughs> I can see you shaking your head like this. Fucker's so wrong about everything. <laughs> but um, uh, I mean, did you like Three Hundred? No. Okay, so you know, you never liked. Oh, we talked about this. You never liked anything he's done, right? No. It goes from like I didn't like that all the way up to like I didn't like that. This man is an abomination of a filmmaker. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, I will be talking about that in the podcast with um my buddy Neil on the Movies Don't Suck and Something New podcast. We have over 169 episodes, so damn. There's a lot to go back. I'd recommend you start like episode 120 though. <laughs> I really do. Like, <laughs> don't go all the way back to the beginning. We were fucking awful. But, um, yeah, that's uh, Record Night. I'm Chris. And I'm Ryan. And we'll see you guys next time. Oh, be sure to stick around for the oh, featured artist yeah. after, uh, after the we VMTH Ensemble. And the song's called, uh, well, you just see it. Um, and it's, it's wild shit. But, yeah, we'll see you guys next time. Alrighty, have a good one.
Thank you.